Section 21 of A Popular History of France, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 38. Louis XIII, Cardinal Richelieu and the Court, 1622-1642, Part 2. The Cardinal had got Chalet condemned as a conspirator. He had let Bouteville be executed as a duellist. The greatest lords bent beneath his authority, but the power that depends on a king's favour is always menaced and tottering. The enemies of Richelieu had not renounced the idea of overthrowing him. Their hopes even went on growing, since for some time past the Queen Mother had been waxing jealous of the all-powerful minister, and no longer made common cause with him. The king had returned in triumph from the siege of La Rochelle. The Queen Mother hoped to retain him by her at court. But the cardinal, ever on the watch over the movements of Spain, prevailed upon Louis the Thirteenth to support his subject, the Duke of Nevers, legitimate heir to Mantua and Montferrat, of which the Spaniards were besieging the capital. The army began to march, but the queen designedly retarded the movements of her son. The cardinal was appointed generalissimo, and the king, who had taken upon himself the occupation of Savoy, was before long obliged by his health to return to Lyon, where he fell seriously ill. The two queens hurried to his bedside, and they were seconded by the keeper of the seals, M. de Marillac, but lately raised to power by Richelieu as a man on whom he could depend, and now completely devoted to the queen-mother's party. At the news of the king's danger, the cardinal quitted Saint-Jean-de-Maurienne for a precipitate journey to Lyon, but he was soon obliged to return to his army. During the king's convalescence, the resentment of the queen-mother against the minister, as well as that of Anne of Austria, had free course, and when the royal train took the road slowly back to Paris, in the month of October, the ruin of the cardinal had been resolved upon. What a trip was that descent of the Loire from Rouen to Briard in the same boat, and, quote, at very close quarters between the queen-mother and the cardinal, says Bassompierre. She hoped that she would more easily be able to have her will, and crush her servant with the more facility, the less he was on his guard against it. She looked at him with a kindly eye, accepted his dutiful attentions and respects as usual, and spoke to him with as much appearance of confidence as if she had wholly given it him, end quote. Memorial de Richelieu, pages 303 to 305. The king had requested his mother, quote, to put off for six weeks or two months the grand move against the cardinal for the sake of the affairs of his kingdom, which were then at a crisis in Italy, end quote. Memoir de Bassompierre, page 276. And she had promised him. But Richelieu, quote, suspected something wrong and discovered more, end quote, and on the 12th of November, 1630, when mother and son were holding an early conference at the Luxembourg, a fine palace which Mary de Medici had just finished, quote, the cardinal arrived there. Finding the door of the chamber closed, he entered the gallery and went and knocked at the door of the cabinet, where he obtained no answer. Tired of waiting, and knowing the ins and outs of the mansion, he entered by the little chapel, whereat the king was somewhat dismayed, and said to the queen in despair, Here he is, thinking no doubt that he would blaze forth. The cardinal, who perceived this dismay, said to them, I am sure you were speaking about me. The queen answered, We were not. Whereupon he, having replied, Confess it, madame. She said yes, and thereupon conducted herself with great tartness towards him, declaring to the king that she would not put up with the cardinal any longer, or see in her house either him or any of his relatives and friends, to whom she incontinently gave their dismissal, and not to them only, but even down to the pettiest of her officers, who had come to her from his hands. Memoir de Richelieu, page 428. 
the struggle was begun. Already the courtiers were flocking to the Luxembourg. The keeper of the seals, Mariac, had gone away to sleep at his country-house in Glatigny, quite close to Versailles, where the king was expected, and he was hoping that Louis Thirteenth would summon him and put the power in his hands. The king was chatting with his favourite Saint-Simon, and tapping with his finger-tips on the window-pane. Quote, "'What do you think of all of this?' he asked. Quote, "'Sir,' was the reply, "'I seem to be in another world, but at any rate you are master.' Quote, Yes, I am, answered the king, and I will make it felt, too. End quote. He sent for Cardinal La Valette, son of the Duke of Epernon, but devoted to Richelieu. Quote, the cardinal has a good master, he said. Go and make my compliments to him, and tell him to come to me without delay. Memoir de Bassompierre, page 276. With all his temper and the hesitations born of his melancholy mind, Louis Thirteenth could appreciate and discern the great interests of his kingdom and of his power. The queen had supposed that the king would abandon the cardinal, and, quote, that her private authority as mother, and the pious affection and honor the king showed her as her son, would prevail over the public care which he ought as king to take of his kingdom and his people. But God, who holds in his hand the hearts of princes, disposed things otherwise. His majesty resolved to defend his servant against the malice of those who prompted the queen to this wicked design. Memoir de Richelieu. He conversed a long while with the cardinal, and when the keeper of the seals awoke the next morning, it was to learn that the minister was at Versailles with the king, who had lodged him in a room under his own, that his majesty demanded the seals back, and that the exons were at his, Mariac's, door to secure his person. At the same time was dispatched a courier to headquarters at Folizzo in Piedmont. The three marshals, Schomburg, La Force, and Mariac, had all formed a junction there. Mariac, brother of the keeper of the seals, held the command that day, and he was awaiting with patience the news, already announced by his brother, of the cardinal's disgrace. Marshal Schomburg opened the dispatches, and the first words that met his eye were these, written in the king's own hand, quote, My dear cousin, you will not fail to arrest Marshal Mariac. It is for the good of my service and for your own exculpation, end quote. The marshal was greatly embarrassed. A great part of the troops had come with Mariac from the army of Champagne and were devoted to him. Schomberg determined, on the advice of Marshal La Force, in full council of captains, to show Mariac the postscript. Quote, Sir, answered the marshal, a subject must not murmur against his master, nor say of him that the things he alleges are false. I can protest with truth that I have done nothing contrary to his service. The truth is that my brother the keeper of the seals and I have always been the servants of the queen mother. She must have had the worst of it, and Cardinal Richelieu has won the day against her and her servants. Memoir de Puissière thus arrested in the very midst of the army he commanded marshal mariac was taken to the castle of st menou and thence to verdun where a court of justice extraordinary sat upon his case it was cleared of any political accusation the marshal was prosecuted for speculation and extortion common crimes at that time with many generals and always odious to the nation which regarded their punishment with favour it is a very strange thing, said Mariac, to prosecute me as they do. My trial is a mere question of hay, straw, wood, stones, and lime. There is not case enough for whipping a lackey. There was case enough for sentencing to death a marshal of France. The proceedings lasted eighteen months. The commission was transferred from Verdun to Ruel, to the very house of the cardinal. Mariac was found guilty by a majority of one only. The execution took place on the 10th of May, 1632. 
the former keeper of the seals michael de marillac died of decline at chateaudun three months after the death of his brother dupes day was over and lost the queen-mother's attack on richelieu had failed before the minister's ascendancy and the king's calculating fidelity to a servant he did not like but mary de medici's anger was not calmed and the struggle remained set between her and the cardinal the duke of orleans who had lost his wife after a year's marriage had not hitherto joined his mother's party but all on a sudden excited by his grievances he arrived at the cardinal's on the thirtieth of january sixteen thirty one quote, with a strong escort and told him that he would consider it a strange purpose that had brought him there that so long as he supposed that the cardinal would serve him he had been quite willing to show him amity now when he saw that he foiled him in everything that he had promised to such an extent that the way in which he monsieur had behaved himself had served no end but to make the world believe that he had abandoned the queen his mother he had come to take back the word he had given him to show him affection on leaving the cardinal's house monsieur got into his carriage and went off in haste to orleans whilst the king having received notice from richelieu was arriving with all dispatch from versailles to assure his minister quote, of his protection well knowing that nobody could wish him ill save for the faithful services he rendered him memoire de richelieu page four forty four the queen-mother had undoubtedly been aware of the duke of orleans project for she had given up to him madame's jewels which he had confided to her she nevertheless sent her equerry to the king protesting quote, that she had been much astonished when she heard of monsieur's departure that she had almost fainted on the spot and that monsieur had sent her word that he was going away from court because he could no longer tolerate the cardinal's violent proceedings against her Quote, when the king signified to her that he considered this withdrawal very strange and let her know that he had much trouble in believing that she knew nothing about it she took occasion to belch forth fire and flames against the cardinal and made a fresh attempt to ruin him in the king's estimation though she had previously bound herself by oath to take no more steps against him memoire de richelieu page four sixty five the cardinal either had not sworn at all or did not consider himself more bound than the queen by oaths their majesties set out for compiegne there the minister brought the affair before the council explaining with a skilful appearance of indifference the different courses to be taken and ending by propounding the question of his own retirement or the queen-mother's his majesty without hesitation made his own choice taking the resolution of returning to paris and of begging the queen-mother to retire for the time being to one of his mansions particularly recommending moulin which she had formerly expressed to the late king a wish to have and in order that she might be the better contented with it he offered her the government of it and of all the province next day february twenty three sixteen thirty one before the queen-mother was up her royal son had taken the road back to paris leaving marshal d'estrees at compiegne to explain to the queen his departure and to hasten his mother's a task in which the marshal had but small success for mary de medici declared that if they meant to make her depart they would have to drag her stark naked from her bed she kept herself shut up in the castle refusing to go out and complaining of the injury the seclusion did to her health then she fled by night from compiegne attended by one gentleman only to go and take refuge in flanders whence she arrived before long at brussels the cardinal's game was definitely won mary de medici had lost all empire over her son whom she was never to see again the duke of orleans meanwhile had taken the road to lorraine seeking a refuge in the dominions of a prince able crafty restless and hostile to france from inclination as well as policy 
smitten before long with the duke's sister princess margaret gaston of orleans married her privately with a dispensation from the cardinal of lorraine all which did not prevent either duke or prince from barefacedly denying the marriage when the prince reproached them with having contracted this marriage without his consent in the month of june sixteen thirty two the duke of orleans entered france again at the head of some wretched regiments refuse of the spanish army given to him by don gonsalvo di gordova for the first time he raised the standard of revolt openly for him it was of little consequence accustomed as he was to place himself at the head of parties that he abandoned without shame in the hour of danger but he dragged along with him in his error a man worthy of another fate and of another chief henry duke of montmorency marshal of france and governor of languedoc was a godson of henry the fourth who said one day to m de villeroy and to president Giannin, look at my son montmorency how well made he is if ever the house of bourbon came to fail there is no family in europe which would so well deserve the crown of france as his whose great men have always supported it and even added to it at the price of their blood shining at court as well as in arms kind and charitable beloved of everybody and adored by his servants the duke of montmorency had steadily remained faithful to the king up to the fatal day when the duke of orleans entangled him in his hazardous enterprise languedoc was displeased with richelieu who had robbed it of some of its privileges the duke had no difficulty in collecting adherents there and he fancied himself to be already wielding the constable's sword five times borne by a montmorency when gaston of orleans entered france and languedoc sooner than he had been looked for and with a smaller following than he had promised the eighteen hundred men brought by the king's brother did not suffice to re-establish him with the queen his mother in the kingdom the governor of languedoc made an appeal to the estates then assembled at Pazinat. he was supported by the bishop of albi and by that of nimes the province itself proclaimed revolt the sums demanded by the king were granted to the duke whom the deputies prayed to remain faithful to the interests of the province just as they promised never to abandon his the archbishop of narbonne alone opposed this rash act he left the estates where he was president and the duke marched out to meet monsieur as far as lunel Quote, troops were levied throughout the province and the environs as openly as if it had been for the king but the regiments were slow in forming the duke of orleans wished to gain over some of the towns narbonne and montpellier closed their gates the bishop's influence had been counted upon for making sure of nimes and montmorency everywhere tried to practise on the huguenots quote, but the reformed ministers of nimes having had advices by letter from his majesty whereby he represented himself to have been advertised that the principal design of monsieur was to excite them of the religion styled reformed considered themselves bound in their own defence to do more than the rest for the king's service they assembled the consistory resolved to die in obedience to him went to seek the consuls and requested them to have the town council assembled in order that it might be brought to take a similar resolution which the consuls gained over by m de montmorency refused memoire de richelieu page one sixty thereupon the ministers sent off in haste to marshal la force who had already taken position at pont saint esprit with his army and he having dispatched some light horse on the twenty sixth of july the people cried hurrah for the king the bishop was obliged to fly and the town was kept to its allegiance quote, Beaucaire, the governor of which had been won over end quote, made armed resistance quote, if we beat the king's army said the duke of montmorency on returning to pezena after this incident we shall have no lack of towns if not we shall have to go and make our court at brussels 
at the news of his brother's revolt the king who happened to be on the frontiers of lorraine had put himself in motion but he marched at his ease and by short stages quote, thinking that the fire monsieur would kindle would be only a straw fire end quote. he hurried his movements when he heard of montmorency's uprising and left paris after having put the seals upon the duke's house who had imprudently left five hundred and fifty thousand livres there the money was seized and lodged in the royal safe the princess of guemen between whom and montmorency there were very strong ties went to see the cardinal who was in attendance on the king quote, sir she said to him you are going to languedoc remember the great marks of attachment that m de montmorency showed you not long ago you cannot forget then without ingratitude indeed when the king believed himself to be dying at lyons he had recommended the cardinal to the duke of montmorency who had promised to receive him into his government Quote, Madame, replied Richelieu coldly, I have not been the first to break off. Already the Parliament of Toulouse, remaining faithful to the king, had annulled the resolutions of the estates, the letters, and the commissions of the governor, and the Parliament of Paris had just enregistered a resolution against the servants and adherents of the Duke of Orleans, as rebels guilty of high treason and disturbers of the common peace. Six weeks were granted the king's brother to put an end to all acts of hostility else the king was resolved to decree against him after that interval of delay quote, whatsoever he should consider it his duty to do for the preservation of his kingdom according to the laws of the realm and the example of his predecessors End of section twenty one